I, uh, I want to ask, are you comfortable? Well, you see, that's relative. I always find it interesting when I speak to people who sit in the wooden pews that they claim that that is comfortable. So I, I grew up in the Dutch Reformed Church where you had no option of these comfortable chairs, in my opinion. Comfortable. So we were forced to sit on those wooden benches, so you won't catch me there. I won't go there. It's not comfortable. But comfort is relative. We're going to look at uh, Isaiah chapter 40, the first 11 verses. You want to turn there in your Bibles if you can and want to. But this is the question. What is, uh, what is your comfort? And what is your comfort zone? What is it that makes you comfort? You'll see that that chapter starts with comfort, comfort my people. And we'll say more about that in a moment. Just talking about the concept of comfort, comfort, what is it that gives you comfort? Uh, are you really comfortable now? You, know, you may be now, but if the sermon carries on a bit long, you and I will, may both get uncomfortable. You see, for you to appreciate comfort, there must be some level of discomfort associated to that. And if I carry on too long, you will long for the comfort of your home and your favorite chair and lunch. Comfort is subjective. We had a friend who, whenever she came to visit us, would choose because she claimed it is more comfortable on the floor. She should sit on the floor wherever she went. If she could, she would sit on the floor in church. For the average millennial and teenager, a fast internet is comfortable. That's comfort for them. For a husband, a happy wife is comfort. For a wife, a faithful husband is comfort. For a soldier in 1944 in the trenches, dry socks is comfort. Nettie and I are looking forward to the comfort of our new home once Peter gets the job done of renovating our house. He's doing an excellent job. You can all come in and see. Just remember to bring milk tart. Whenever I experience the discomfort of some sort of an illness, I have my favorite comfort food. Can you guess what that is? No. Hot custard. That's my comfort food. Milk tart is for general consumption. <laughs> so you may sit here today and think, well, actually, I can't really think of anything that is uncomfortable for me. I'm actually quite comfortable, thank you. Uh, my family is fine. My work is okay. Friends are happy. Able to pay my bills, I am comfortable. But then you are in very good company because the original hearers of Isaiah's prophecy in that day were also comfortable. Financially, the country was doing fine. People were comfortable. Spiritually, however, they were in desperate trouble. So Isaiah delivers an uncomfortable message just before this passage that we're going to study together. In Isaiah 39, verse 6 to 8, Isaiah talks to King Hezekiah and he tells them that King Hezekiah is going to lose almost everything. He's going to lose his inheritance. And remember, his inheritance included the nation. He was the king. He inherited that, king, that kingdom. And he's going to lose some of his sons. What will happen to them? They will be taken to Babylon. This was long before Babylon was a known world entity. Uncomfortable news. For King Hezekiah. But our God is good to his people. That's why he comes with this message of comfort. Comfort my people. If we think back of uh, the year 
2020. Then we also received a similar prophecy, did we not? In the beginning of the year. Uh, we were told you may lose your possessions because of lockdown. Uh, there's a threat of losing some of your loved ones. That's possible. And uh, they even said, some even said, some of these uh, prophets of doom, many of you will die. Well, not all of this came true. But we all felt the loss that COVID-19 brought and the reality of that. All of us felt and are feeling the effect of that loss. And that is not comfortable. So dear friends, some of you may have lost more than others and may still lose. You may even be infected by this virus. And some of our members are and were infected by the virus. And in the meantime, people are infected by other viruses and people die of other reasons. Where's the comfort in that? We all live under threat of discomfort. It is not comfortable. It was not comfortable throughout this year. You have to understand also that God is less interested in your worldly comforts. That's why his comfort is worth infinitely more than the most comfortable situation you can ever imagine in this life. And although this Isaiah 40 prophecy applied directly to Jerusalem, these applications of this prophet, prophecy are ours as well. And so here in Isaiah 40 verse 1 to 11, we see three age-old facts that will help us understand and receive comfort in the face of a fearful future. Three points, three facts. First, comfort in what God says. Then, comfort in what God is. Then thirdly, comfort in what God does. And we'll read the verses as we go through Isaiah 40 verse 1 to 11. Let's start with Isaiah 40 verse 1. So comfort in what God says, we find mostly in uh, the first number of verses. Verse 1 says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. So comfort, comfort twice. You know by now that when words are repeated in the Bible, it means pay attention. This is important. It's not a by-the-way comfort, a maybe comfort. It is a definite comfort. And the tense here is a very specific imperative tense, which means it is a command. We don't know who this command was issued to. It's a general command to an unknown group of people. So I would say it is for all who are called upon to comfort my people. So comfort my people, comfort my people. And who gives that comfort? God gives the comfort because God speaks throughout this passage. He may speak through Isaiah or through another prophet or himself, but it is God speaking. It's not a suggestion or a request. This command is addressed to all of us. God says, comfort. So you've heard Billy say that he enjoys a specific uh, television series, apparently where people make knives and then someone else destroys the knife. There seems to be fun in that. I have never watched any of those episodes and I never will. It just does not attract me. So Nettie and I have an interesting choice or preference for series. We like the blood and guts. I'm sorry. So often in one of those series, you'll see the hero who always lives and makes it through the whole series. 
he will be with one of his friends, uh, a fellow hero. And this fellow hero, according to what you see in the scene, is clearly on his last legs. Uh, you can see it by the facial expression. You can hear it in the faint words. You can see it by the amount of blood that is on the scene. This guy is a goner. And the hero will cradle the head gently and will say something like, you'll be fine. You will be fine. And they say that just to make the last few minutes of this person comfortable. God's kind of comforting words are not filled with empty promises that will make you feel okay for the last few moments of your life. God's comfort has power because God's words have power. God spoke the universe into existence, remember? Just note in verse 1, God's comfort is reserved for a specific group of people. He calls them my people. If you are not sure that you are one of God's people, then you have no hope of real comfort. Your prayer should be for God to make you one of His people. And you may have all the worldly comforts available to man, but unless you are one of God's people, you will not receive God's comfort. But Christian... Your comfort is a sure thing. You'll say, well, what is that comfort? Now, tell me. Not yet. But you can may ask, is it the lazy boy you know, at home? Very comfortable chair, maybe. Is it my new mattress for my old bed? Possibly. Is it enough money for my old age? Could be. The right medication for my aches and pains? Yes, but only as long as it lasts. Then you have to take another pill. If you're a teenager, you may say, is comfort. Will God give me comfort by getting my parents off my case? Never. Or you may say, comfort. If God can give us comfort, it will be to get rid of this COVID-19 thing. Or give us an effective vac vaccine. Hot custard does it for me. Isaiah 40 verse 2 helps us. It says, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. That verse starts with a wonderful word. It says, speak tenderly. Not a shout. It's not a threat. Speak tenderly. When uh, Nettie speaks to me and she calls me Baba, so that could be the Afrikaans for baby, but it's not in, uh, in her terms when she speaks to me Gently and tenderly, when she calls me Baba, it's the Sutu for old man. It's tender. But when she calls me Boki, then I know there's real tenderness in her heart. Boki. But when I hear her call me by my birth certificate names, <laughs> I know this is going to take a while to get back to Boki. This speak tenderly is the tone of voice that a young man in love would use when he wants to attract the attention of a young lady. God makes promises leading up to the most valuable comfort and he says, speak gently. Speak gently. And he gives up some details of the content of that speak gently. He says, here's the news. This is what God says. We find our comfort in the fact that warfare is ended, that iniquity is pardoned, and that we receive double for our, all our sins. Now, 
This needs some explanation because you may have a wrong interpretation, especially after receive double for all sins. Warfare can also be translated hardship. We can say we will find comfort and we have comfort in the fact that our hardship is ended. Now, you'll say, not true. Not true at all. Hardship is with us. We still have to wear masks. We still have to apply social distancing. We still have to sanitize our hands. I've had more alcohol in my hands than I've drank in my life, even as a young man. That's part of our reality. It's still hardship. But in God's timing, it is as sure that we will have God's comfort that it is as if it is already happening. And that's where we find comfort, isn't it? It's around the corner. It can be next week. Iniquity is pardoned. That's true. So we see some of God's justice here. Iniquity is pardoned. It's not overlooked. So God didn't say, ah, it doesn't matter, all the sin. Let's just forget about it. Let's wipe the slate clean and just carry on. No. There had to be payment. And it was pardoned because of what Jesus Christ did. Not overlooked. So Jerusalem, God's people, your just penalty is removed or paid for by someone else. And then the story about double for all her sins. She has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The word translated double is the only, the only other place that you find that is in Job 11 verse 6. There it speaks of God's wisdom beyond what we can understand. So to illustrate that, the double actually means to be folded. So there are two meanings to this word. So let's say, for example, this is a list of my sins. Can you see it? On the one page, that's just the introduction to my sins. There are many other pages that I did not bring along. But let's say this is a representation of my sins on this page. What it means is that what God does for us, part of his comfort for us, is the promise that the sins will be perfectly covered. So it's not seen anymore. And also, in line with Job 11 verse 6, it means that there's some things hidden. And it's God's wisdom, according to Job 11 verse 6, that is hidden. So here the thought is not of a double punishment, so more than what the sin deserves. It's also not a double blessing because of the grace in that sin. It has the meaning of something that is folded over and each half corresponds exactly with the other half. So the payment covers the sin exactly and completely. And God speaks and assures his people, you and me, that comfort is guaranteed because we won't have to deal with sin any longer. So that comfort that is guaranteed, you may not see now, but child of God, comfort is just around the corner. And God says to the king, you're going to lose everything. That's why you need comfort. But you will be comforted. Your war, hardship is ended. Your iniquity is pardoned. Your sins are covered by God's wisdom beyond your understanding. Completely. So Christian, do you find comfort in what God says? And he's saying to you today, as an introduction to that comfort, you're not only losing because of COVID, you're going to lose everything. Maybe not this year or next year, but definitely someday. You're not even taking your most comfortable pajamas with you into eternity. But God says that 
to you that the start of your comfort is in the reality that your hardship is ended, that your iniquity is pardoned, that your sins are covered exactly and completely by God's wisdom beyond your understanding. And then God says more, verse 3 and 4 of Isaiah 40. A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. If you read through the New Testament, Matthew 3 and Luke 3, confirm to us that Isaiah spoke about John the Baptist, who preached at, I think, First Baptist Church of Jordan in the wilderness. And some 700 years before John started crying in the wilderness, God said through Isaiah, that John would cry in the wilderness. Words of comfort, preparation for the glory of the Lord to be revealed. Valleys lifted up, mountain and hill made low, uneven ground level, rough places plain. Preparation for the gospel. Before Nettie and I moved here, I had less of an idea of what this really means. Where we come from, a valley is just not the same as the valleys that are here. And the mountains are not close to what we have here. There's like one Machalisberg in Pretoria. You know, that's it. And the valleys are you know, rivers that are dug out to get the water to flow. So here the, the, the image is more vivid for me. And what that means is it's preparation for the gospel, the good news about Jesus. The reminder that you and I need for total comfort is that we have the gospel. We are the beneficiaries of the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God prepared the way. For you, specifically. He removed all the mountains and he made bridges over the valleys so that the good news can come to your ears at the time that you needed to hear it. So what are the valleys and the mountains that prevent you today from experiencing the comfort that God so vividly promises? Are those not the things that distract you from the comforting love of God? Your mountain that prevents you from glorifying God and seeing his glory may be your reaction to COVID. Your valley that keeps you down in the dumps may be your frustration with the overreaction of some people to this virus. If you go back to someone who knows everything and much more than you and I about valleys and mountains in your way to glorifying God, that must be Paul. Paul had his share of mountains and valleys. Look at his advice. Romans 8, in verse 35, he asks the rhetorical question, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall COVID? He doesn't say that, but he says tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. Maybe a little tribulation because of the mask that we have to wear and the discomfort that we have to endure. Maybe some distress because you're not sure if this person carries the virus or not. Don't see much persecution. Definitely not famine. I go a little bit hungry because Nettie and I decide to fast from time to time. Definitely not famine. I still have more cheese in my, in my fridge than what I'm prepared to eat. And then in Romans 8 verse 37 to 39, Paul gives us the comforting answer. No. No, we're not going to be fearful of all these things. We're not going to let that be our mountains and valleys. 
No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, including the coronavirus, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. No valley or mountain can prevent the Lord from taking you on exactly the journey that he wants you to go. Verse 5 of Isaiah 40 reads, And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Pointing past the incarnation, that is the birth of Jesus, which we will celebrate in the next few days, and this series points towards that, that event, pointing past the incarnation, the birth of Jesus, all the way to the second coming. God said that the Savior would come. And we have the benefit of knowing that it happened. And God says that the full value of Jesus, the glory of Jesus, will be seen by everyone, all flesh. Some commentators add to this that all flesh shall see, shall see, also means that God's glorious word would become available all over the world. That has happened. It is happening. Even where it is forbidden, the word of God is read and studied and treasured. God said it and he did it. Eventually everyone will see God's glory. For us, God's people, it will be glorious. For some who are not God's people, it will be terrible. So find comfort, my Christian friend, in the fact that what God, what God said happened, knowing that what God says shall happen. Comfort in what God says. Then comfort in what God is. So you may say, no, hang on, you should say comfort in who God is. No, I mean comfort in what God is because God is not man. And that's the point of the next number of verses, verse 6 to verse 10. Um, let's read it together. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go on, up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold, your God. Look at my God. Behold, the Lord comes. With might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. I know that recompense, I, I know I sound exactly like a Dutchman when I say it. I've tried to say it better. I've not been able to do it, so recompense. Popular psychology and self-improvement gurus will try and convince you that a good, high view of yourself is what you need to be comfortable, to be happy. Thinking much of yourself by convincing yourself of how good and wonderful you are will bring comfort. God says the exact, exact opposite. He starts with cry, cry out. It's a wake-up call. Listen to this. Make a loud noise so that people can hear. We see God's word through Isaiah show what God is by showing us what man is. God is opposite to man. So if you look at what man is, he says, man is grass and flower. 
Now look at the description of what happens to grass and flower. We see that in verse 7 and verse 8, it is repeated twice that grass withers and flowers fade. Husbands and young men, whenever you give a bunch of flowers to your beloved, like I hope any did today to Anne because it's their anniversary, 45 years, well done, great. But even the flowers, even the flowers that any may still today give to Anne, 10 days from now, it'll be gone. It'll be old and ugly. And just like that, in God's scheme of things, wait long enough, and you and I will also grow old and ugly. Well, maybe not Neil, but the others. The world will bombard you with the opposite view. Man is everything. Man is in control. Man is superior, independent. It depends on man to save the world, save the earth. No need of God. But man cannot even last and stay standing when God exhales. God just exhales over the grass and it's gone. Look at what God says about himself compared to man. Remember last week, Billy spoke about the idols and the uh, almost a, a comedy to see that man makes this God and then he's, he's got to make sure that he stands. You know, scream tight onto the table or, you know, keep him up with something. And then that God must answer and he never answers. Can't do that. Look at what God, what, uh, God says about himself. Isaiah 40 verse 9 and 10. God says this. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion. Herald of good news, lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem. Herald of good news, lift it up. Fear not, say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Look at your God, see who your God is. You don't have to hide him somewhere in a closet. You can, you can lift him up. Verse 10, behold, the Lord comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. Proclamation of what God is. Speak confidently about your God, dear Christian. A message for us in COVID-filled, fear-induced 2020 and beyond. Be a herald of good news, not bad news. Look at the verse, it's there. Who is your God? How do you show what your God is by how you speak and what you fear? Lift up the good news, push down the fear, because God comes with might. There's nothing that he can't do. If God would decide today to wipe out the coronavirus forever, he can do it. He does not want to yet. And that's good. But he can. He can give us a vaccine that will cure all diseases today if he wants to. He doesn't want to do it yet. And one of the reasons is because we need some amount of discomfort in this life in order for us to appreciate the comfort that God gives us, even in this life, but ultimately in everlasting life. God's arm rules for him. It just helps us to understand that there's nothing that God cannot do. Ephesians 1 verse 21. Far above. Jesus is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Comfort in what God does, yes, 
but comfort also in what God is. Because God brings a reward to those who serve him. Luke 6 verse 22 and 23. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy for behold your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. Dear friends, don't know about you but I've not experienced that amount or any amount mentionable of this kind of treatment. We have so much to be thankful for, but we moan so easily. And God serves up the righteous recompense to those who stand against him. Deuteronomy 32 verse 35. Vengeance is mine and recompense for the time when their foot shall slip. For the day of their calamity is at hand and their doom comes swiftly. Recompense is payment for what is deserved. I remember a day in, in my life when I realized that I am working hard for my recompensation for my sins. And I realized that God folded over a page and he covered my sins. Isaiah 35 verse 4. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. And then the Apostle Peter wrote to the church in 2 Peter 3 verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Are you on the side of this God? Will you receive a reward? Or will you receive his wrathful recompense? Psalm 8 verse 4 says, What is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him. Man, you are nothing compared to God. But oh, your God is immense and wonderful and amazing. Far beyond what you can ever imagine. Much of his wisdom hidden even in his work of salvation. If you are one of God's people, then he will comfort you because of what he is. And then lastly and quickly... Comfort in what God does. This is the best part for me, Isaiah 40 verse 11. So this God, with power and might, and no limitation in his ability, he comes and he does this. This is how he brings comfort. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead them, those that are with young. The comfort God commanded through Isaiah is not cheap, here today and gone tomorrow, comfort food or medicine or furniture or homes or salaries. It's not fading homes or jobs or governments or bodies or roads. God's comfort is not limited to a COVID vaccine or an effective mask. It is ignorant of social distancing and sanitized hands. All of these worldly comforts fades into obscurity when compared to the value of God's comfort in what he does. God brought his comfort to us in Jesus Christ, the shepherd of the sheep. And look at the gentle, loving description of his comfort for you, child of God. He tend his flock. God tends to you by feeding you, by protecting you, by healing you by grooming you, making sure that 
you neat and tidy when there are things that bother by disciplining you. He gathers you in his arms, doesn't throw you over his shoulder. In fact, he gathers you to his bosom, the closest that you can be to him, so that you can hear his heartbeat. Loving embrace when in need, reassurance of the power and love of the shepherd, carries you when you're tired, an intimate and close comfort, caring for the emotional and physical needs of his people. Until that day, when it ends, and you are one day closer to receiving the eternal comfort. Gently leads you through this life. Gently leads you. John 10 verse 27 reminded me of this picture. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Still today, if you go to the Middle East, you'll find shepherds there who will sing or talk and the sheep follow them. Even when they come to a crossroads and there are two um, flock of sheep. Oh, I almost said something else. A group of sheep. School of sheep. Can't be that. <laughs> the sheep will come and they'll cross paths. But they, they, they move through one another and they follow the voice of the shepherd. They don't get lost with the others. How often does he gently lead you, my friend? You may stray. You feed your own selfish desires. And God, every time, will patiently and gently come back. And he instructs you through sermons and Bible readings and biblical songs and articles. And from time to time, he will deem it necessary to also lead you gently through the loving confrontation of a Christian friend. The shepherd God provides comfort by what he does. Are you comfortable? Are you comforted? This life with its uncomfortable and sometimes comfortable times, places, situations, and food, it's not the, the main event. The main event is still to come. But even in this life, with its discomfort, we who are God's people hear and experience His promise through Isaiah. We are comfortable in spite of times and places and situations and medical condition and lack of food. Your uncomfortable situations prepares you better to see the glory of God and to rejoice more and more in the comfort that He promises. It prepares you better to not be sidetracked by the mountains and the valleys. Brothers and sisters, COVID will not break us. COVID will not break the Church of Jesus Christ. Don't let COVID or anything else get you to miss out on receiving God's comfort here and now but ultimately eternally amen let's pray our father as we come again today we uh, we worship you what an amazing God forgive us when we so often lift ourselves up when we so often think too highly of ourselves you reminded us today we are like grass none of us can even confirm or guarantee that we will make it to the end of this day. If you decide to breathe out over me today, this is my last. But Lord, you are such a good God. You are our shepherd God. Our Lord Jesus Christ who came to be the Lamb who was slain. And that shepherd God who guides us. But above all today, we are grateful for your comfort. Oh, comfort us, O oh Lord. Remind us through our strained and difficult times that we can rely on you because of what you said. 
because of what you are and because of what you do for us. We know that we deserve nothing of this, but we know that we can pray this boldly and that our words reach all the way up into your throne of grace because our Lord Jesus Christ sits next to you and he represents us and we pray in his name. Amen. Amen.